to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup Group for the 15th of December, 2021. We're heading quickly into 2022, and that has some big implications. So one, we need to go back through the year and look at our forecasts. So we made some forecasts throughout the year of how the market would shake out in 2021. And so now it's time to check those forecasts. So we made forecasts of Washington state sales and performance. We looked at Oregon prices. So let's, we'll need to, you know, look, check our forecasts there. We looked at so many states. We looked at Colorado, Oklahoma, Massachusetts. Lately, we've been looking at Illinois. And we've been curious about states such as Michigan, Maryland, and all the other states with adult use and med medicinal use. So as we're here in the home stretch, I'll be working on, and you're happy to contribute with forecasts. So we can work on one, checking our forecast from 2021, making forecasts for 2022. So should be a big time ahead with that. Without further ado, so Shane and Heather both joined us before. So do either of you have any topics or questions, ideas, comments on your mind for the start of today? Starting with you, Shane. I know, uh, I'm just glad to be here. Uh, this is my second time and I'm uh, relatively new to data and tech but not so much new to cannabis so i'm trying to bridge the gap and just kind of get the information and uh, about the industry and um just yeah get as much information as i can happy to have you shan we're gonna have a bunch of information today and so then heather would you be happy to just say a quick word and if you've got anything on your mind for today uh, yes, I, I uh, planned on observing this talk um, rather passively, um, but um, definitely, uh, I know from last week we were talking about Michigan, right? Um, so I guess I just, I, I know I want to analyze the Maryland data, I just uh, hasn't been in the cards for me just yet, so that's really the angle. I'm just, um, you know, I'm, I'm really intrigued by the state state stuff um because there's a different level of control at, at each state so it's you know not something that we can ignore anyway exactly and so i as far i'll speak to michigan data real quick and then maryland so michigan data they've got great data on their website they just have quite restrictive terms of use so you can't use their data for commercial use and you may not be able to access it programmatically. I sent them an e email, the Michigan Regulatory Agency, to see what exactly is permissible. So can we use their data in you know, an open source public manner the way we have been? So still waiting to hear back from that. So going to actually have to pause on Michigan data just Till we get the green light, if we do, hoping we do. Maryland will come up next week when we start doing state-by-state -state forecasts for 2022. I'm going to really kick that off next week 
we're sort of just teasing that today. And we, we may begin Saturday morning statistics. We'll see, we've been doing a few like regressions there. So if you're interested in regression analysis, definitely worth checking out. And then next week we'll, in next Wednesday, we'll start the forecasts. For today, I was just going to share with you some economics. So we've talked about some real interesting economics, talked about some of it during Saturday morning statistics. And I wanted to share some of that with you here today on Wednesday with the Canvas Data Science Group because I think it's valuable information and don't want to, to leave you out of the mix. So just want to share with you some real interesting economics real quick. And then we can take a quick look at Washington State because that was one of the states that we first began and now analyzing at the beginning of the year. So it seems fit to take a look here near the end. So without further ado, let me share with you the latest work and some a little dash of economics just uh, just for fun so we saw a technical memorandum produced for the state of nevada where they were looking at the relationship between dispensaries per capita and sales per dispensary and so we got a ha handle on this data and we're going to take a look at it ourselves. Awesome to have you join us, Marjana. Just quick update. Today we're going to be honing in. We couldn't yet start wrangling Michigan data. I'm waiting for the green light on that just to make sure we abide by their terms of use as far as accessing their data. Okay. The next best thing, we can look at a comparable state. So it just so happens that the first state we looked at and a comparable state to Michigan is Washington state. So on the chart, as, as things shake out, you know, Washington has a comparable number of retailers per capita and sales per dispensary. As far as the whole dichotomy goes where, you know, you have Oregon and Colorado on this far end, and then you have states that we've been looking at the past couple of weeks, such as Illinois and Massachusetts on the far other side of the uh, scale. Voices. Nice that we actually now have points all over the the uh, the regression line. So that's nice. Yeah. Exactly. And as Marjana pointed out, there's only ten data points here. So we would like to add a lot more, a lot, especially you know equally distributed along this line here. So we've added a lot of data points for Illinois and Massachusetts. So we're getting a little heavy on this end. So 
These states also have good data, Washington, Colorado, and Oregon. So today we'll add a lot of data points for Washington state. And once we get the green light, we'll work on Michigan, but for now, we'll look at Washington. And so we're starting with the figures. I'll zoom in here a bit that we're expecting around 10 dispensaries per 100,000 adults here. Notice world measure and population, so it'll be a little different. And then we're also looking for around 2.2 or so million in annual revenue. Okay. So why are we even looking at this data? Just want to just go ahead and talk just real quick about why we're even looking at this data, just to, just to give the, the group a little bit of background, right? So we've got a research question. This is essentially our literature review, and then we'll get into our data and our methods and our analysis and conclusion. So, so essentially applying the scientific method to data. So a lot of this work has been done for, for your you know, decades going on, you know, starting at the beginning of what was formerly termed economics. And so the reason people are looking at this is Hold on, just making sure there's not any joinees real quick. Okay. Okay, so the reason people started looking at this is they wanted to start characterizing markets that maybe there were some bad act actors going on. So maybe there was collusion. Maybe there was some sort of regulatory capture. Maybe there were some sort of other factors going on to create these monopolies. So, you know, in the early 1900s, you see a lot of antitrust policy where they start to break up the large oil companies. And that's really, you know, where a lot, you know, a lot of the, the focus started to go into, you know, characterizing markets as, okay, are they competitive? Are they anti-competitive? And this is where the structured conduct performance paradigm came about where we they basically start to say okay you know we need sort of a classification system for for classifying markets so we you know economic theory suggests okay you know if there's perfect competition the market will shake out one way if there's a monopoly, the market will shake out another way. So this diagram shows how the market would shake out with a monopolist, with the mon monopolist operating at QM in a perfectly competitive market. All the firms would produce a total of QC. So that's just really fundamental microeconomic models that make these predictions. 
So we don't really ever observe a perfect monopoly. We never really observe perfect competition. Well, I take that back. You may see a monopolist now and again, but it's actually kind of rare. So you're really observing people and firms operating between somewhere between oligopoly and monopolistic competition. And you could even split that up into to gradients. And generally, you know, governments are concerned if they see really concentrated markets. So if they see, you know, essentially oligopolies, they start to get a little concerned because the firms start to get a lot of market power. And as we saw, you know, the consumers start to kind of get boxed out of surplus. So, you know, the consumers are, you know, they lose a bit of their surplus. And so, you know, the idea of the government is they're looking out for everyone. And so they're looking out for producers and they're looking out for consumers. So, so that would be, you know, the justification for 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 antitrust policy is if there's a social preference for there not to be a monopolist in for the a more competitive market and so that's sort of been the justification for antitrust policy in the past And then I just point out things like regulatory capture, inclusion, and whatnot, because those are factors that I think push the market in a more anti-competitive direction. But long story short, you start to see different market structures. They are affected by different things. So, for example, there may be barriers to entry. So that it may not really matter that much what government policy is per se, depending on what the barriers to entry are. So if there's high barriers to entry, that's going to push the market in a more concentrated direction. So, so long story short, we're interested in the cannabis industry. And so it would be interesting to see if we can actually quantify this, right? So we, in, Previous meetups, we've just been trying to just kind of make qualitative statements about where we think the market's heading. But we've got real good data here in Washington State, so we can actually start looking at some of these metrics. And one of these metrics that we can actually use to quantify this, so put an actual number on how competitive the market is, is this metric called the HHI. And so I'll come back to this table here in a second, but let me go ahead and introduce this market, this measure. So I could have presented this more elegantly, but we'll power through this and get to the data because it's an important concept. So long, because in the past, we've just been trying to use other ways to judge how competitive the market is. But in Washington State, we actually know the market share of each retailer over time. So we can actually use 
these standard measures of market competitiveness. And the two standard measures are the N firm concentration ratio. And so that's just the sum of the top largest firms. So you just maybe look at the top five largest firms and the higher the number, the more concentrated the market is. Similarly, the HHI, you look at the sum of all of the market shares squared. And so if you were calculating the market share in terms of percentages, right? If there's just one firm, the monopoly has 100%, 100 squared is 10,000. Well, if all the market, if all the firms have, you know, effectively, you know, 0% of the market, so they're going to be, each firm's going to be approaching 0% of the market, then your HHI is zero. And so note that this is, there's an infinite amount of firms in the market, you know, never really observe an infinite number of firms. So, so it's approaching affinity. So long story short, the Justice Department, the Department of Justice, you know, through, right, they, they need a metric that they're going to use in courts, right, in legal disputes. So they need a, a metric, a number. So they defined the HHI and they set this threshold at 20, and I would recommend checking out this source here for the exact language. But essentially, they say that, okay, any industry with an HHI above 2,500, we're going to define as highly concentrated. So that's what we would call, you know, an oligopoly. And then basically they said, okay, you know, anything below 2,500, you know, if it's above 1,500, you know, that's moderate concentration, but not really worth, you know, litigating over. And then anything, you know, below 1,500 is fairly competitive. So, so that's all the nitty gritty out of the way, but essentially now we actually have you know, a metric that we can, not, not really a metric, we've got like baselines that we can compare our metrics in Washington State to. So without further ado, let's calculate the HHI in Washington State. And not only can we calculate it, but we've got fantastic panel data where we've got data that varies over the individual. So that would be over the different licenses and it varies over time. So we can measure the HHI over time. And so that way we can 
say, okay, is the market in Washington state becoming more competitive or less competitive over time? And the point to watch out for is essentially you're, you're looking for jumps in the HHI of, you know, around 200, you know, going, going up positive increases because th those would be occurrences what that increased market concentration so you, you know just kind of got to keep an eye out for those so as diligent consumers we can keep a pulse on the washington market and sort of monitor the hhi and you know see if it's you know spiking uh, out of control um or trending positively or negatively one way or the other. So real interesting metric that we can look at here. So where can we get this data? Well, Washington State has incredibly open public data and the Cannabis Observer is they're i guess you'd call them a news outlet but they primarily report on the cannabis industry in washington state and they do periodic freedom of information act requests and make these available to the public so that way the public can get access to to really incredible data here and so for example i'll share this this data with you here I probably should have already um, shared it with you, but I will immediately after the talk today. Essentially though, you now have access to all of the Washington State traceability data through, you know, November of 2021. And so, I'm sure the Cannabis Observer will do another request here. So Washington State is migrating off of their traceability system in this month, December. What's interesting about that is it'll give us sort of a complete data set of the sort of the their traceability data. So that way we can just look at, you know, Washington State's experience with this with this traceability system. And we actually have the entire population of data. And so this is really powerful from a statistical lens because, right, a lot of statistics, your, your, um, your underlying assumption is that you're operating with a sample of the data and you've got much limited predictive power when you're working with the sample versus the entire population. And so here, you know, we actually have the entire population of all of Washington State's data, you know, every, every single sale item. So it's actually sort of overwhelming to deal with because it's just, these are zipped files so just be warned that once you unzip these these are just ginormous tsvs 
So they're not even CSVs, they're tab separated values. So they're even trickier to work with. So just be warned, check out some of the source code from the Cannabis Data Science Group from the beginning of the year where we are working with some of these data sets. Um, so user be warned, they're, they're difficult to work with. How many months of, uh, like I, I am, I'm, uh, how long has uh, cannabis been legal in Washington and does it have all of the data from when it was? Uh... It doesn't have the very beginning. So, and I should know this off the top of my head, but oh yes, I want to say that Washington state permitted cannabis use in 2012. Oh, wow. So that's a lot of data. If, if but, but, but this traceability system was adopted in formally of April of 2018. So okay. you really that's just have data. data. Yeah. Okay. So it's still a lot of data. You don't have all of those formative years of the industry, which would actually be incredibly interesting to look at. To see, to see how the industry came online over the years. 2018 is still a good time frame. So use what we're given. But essentially what happened is Washington State migrated from bio track traceability to leaf data systems traceability. And we've got all the data from leaf data systems traceability system. So, so it's awesome that Washington State makes this publicly available. If any of you have clever ways to aggregate this data, have at it because we'll share with you. So for example, they put together a aggregate of sales by retailer by month. And so I've already downloaded this here. And once again, I'll show you, share the link with you afterwards. Oh, I think I already have it open. Okay. But essentially, someone helpful has aggregated total sales by license number by month. Well, here they're going back to 2000, November of 2017. But as I said, the system wasn't formally fully adopted until November, I mean, until April of 2018. So I would be cautious about using data prior to April of 2018. Okay. And uh, one more question, uh, Keegan. Well, each license number is for a re one retailer, and when they renew their license, it's the same license number. I I don't know. That's what I'm asking. It should. It should. I haven't actually dug into this data too too deeply here, but it should be like so. For example. Like if we just look at one license. Okay. Well, maybe that's not the best license to look at, but if we just look at one license, well, 
Okay, so this could be a problem here if yeah. these license numbers aren't unique. Um, because it would be helpful to track these people over, over the year. Time. Yeah. Uh. Okay, so we don't actually have quite the exact data that I was hoping we did here. Um, well, that sucks. <laughs> yes, because it would be interesting to, and like I said, the data exists. We'll just have to compile it ourselves. Um, I think this will work for the analysis I wanted to do today, which was just look at, um, sort of aggregate this by license number by period. Mm. So I, I think we just can't track these over time with this particular data set. Um, yeah. in, unless, hold on here. Unless we've just gotten really unlucky with my random, right? So this could be the problem with the non-random sample. <laughs> so let's try to pick out one of these. Okay, yeah, cool. Okay, so, awesome. That's good. Okay. As I just demonstrated, you have to be really careful about the conclusions you draw with non-random samples. Um, but this so, is good. Yeah. So now we know that there are licenses that are going over years. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. So that way, this I just picked um, picked a bad example, but to so here is license 425498. And what's cool is, you know, you could actually match that. So you could grab the, there should be, uh, yeah, so there's a licensees data set. Okay, great. So you should be able to cross-reference the licensees data and, you know, get granular information about that license. So, Another where is, like where yeah. it is in the state, what their name is. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, another interesting thing also is that it, it it'd be interesting to see like who did not renew their how many how many retailers did not renew their license, you know, and was it dependent on their total sales? Um, you are brilliant. I love your thinking because you took it to the next step because not only is it interesting to just see, okay, who's staying in the market. So look at entries slash exits over time, but then seeing if that's dependent on sales, that's brilliant. So brilliant idea, Marjana. So I think that's worthy of a, you know, I always think things like this are worthy of a paper because I mean, who else is looking at this? But I mean, that's just. If you ever want to write a paper? I have a lot of experience writing papers, so I'm game with that. Because I think you've got the data here to parse that out. Yeah, absolutely. So you could sort of. I don't know how you would do your analysis here, but you'd almost do some sort of like survival analysis. So like, 
this license, 79013, you know, they only survived one period. Um, and then you could see, okay, you know, does like the number of periods that a license survives, does that depend on their average sales or something like that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, or you probably know better than I could, but do, but there's probably more sophisticated ways to do that analysis, but. Uh, no, but I was going to say, Keegan, if you were interested in ever publishing even for a state's results and you needed like help writing a paper i i i can help you with that i've published several papers but not in this field obviously but uh we can look at journals that you know um potentially this can be published in because this is this is a this is good um this uh data set here because that was something a professor told me once that stuck with me that, you know, everyone's always so focused on, you know, market performance and entrance that no one, that exit is quite understudied. Yes, absolutely. And that, that, that actually answers a lot more questions that I, I, I feel like than entering the market, um, uh, what is causing people to leave? <laughs> Yes, because we're risk averse, because those are things you'd want to hedge against. Mm -hmm. So if you know that there's some threshold of sales that you really have to hit, so if you see that, oh, everyone below, you know, 300,000 in monthly sales is exiting after six months, then that's a really, that's a, you know, a red flag, so to speak. Um, that you'd want to watch out for. Or other factors, you know, you could have particular, you know, geographic regions that have high exit rates. True, um, yeah, which could be dependent on the taxes in that region too. Um, I have a quick question. Yes. How, um, I know, I'm sure it varies from state to state. Are there different incentives or encouragement from the states once they you know decide to legalize to encourage um cannabis businesses from growers to um retail to open up in the state is there anything going on like that in washington i don't know off the top of my head in fact i want to say it's difficult to operate because it's you really have to make sure you're abiding by the regulations it can be real easy to get mad for some violation for just like not having appropriate security cameras or this or that. So I do know in certain states that's sort of a the new priority is to make sure that you know people have re the resources they need. But I don't know per se um, the state the standard in Washington State. So. I think Michigan has some incentives last I read, but I don't know what the incentives are, but yeah. But it's an interesting point because, you know, the, these companies are bringing in, you know, good tax revenue. So 
you don't you don't want the you know just companies just not, not surviving uh, for you know some good reason or another um that could be prevented um so but i love that you're thinking marjana so i think that's going to entail you know a whole bit of analysis but we can perhaps put it on the docket and start looking at that. Sure. So look, look at exits over time. So for today, I'll just show you how to just start calculating some of the standard retail statistics that we've been calculating for other states. And we can do that pretty quickly just because we've got such good data here. So essentially just going to you know read in this excel spreadsheet so now we're just looking at you know this exact same data i've already kind of been filtering this but looking at this data here and then i noticed there was just at least one blank row so just, you know, going to remove that and then just create a formal date column. So, so nothing, nothing fancy yet. Um, just making sure that the date matches the reporting period. Then just going to grab Washington State's population real quick just because we're interested in knowing the number of retailers per capita, just to kind of put things in perspective. So without further ado, we can start looking at some of these statistics in Washington. So for example, we can aggregate everything by period and just look at total sales over time so this is sort of what we have to work with in a lot of the other states and so this is what's so cool about the washington state data is we can go as granular or as aggregated as we would like so you know for example we could get you know each granular sale item which we've had some entrepreneurial members do and, and do studies on on sale items and so so long story short today we're just look at a few aggregate statistics so well we were calculating these statistics in massachusetts and illinois so it makes sense to go ahead and calculate them in washington state too okay yeah, i knew there was Someone trying to join. Okay. We got one more member joining. Happy to have you, Graham. We've just been looking at statistics here in Washington State. So happy to have you join. Yeah, sorry guys, running late from a doctor appointment, but this is wonderful. 100% okay. So essentially you joined at a good time since we're essentially 
looking at the exact same metrics we were looking at in Illinois and Massachusetts, and this time we're looking at them in Washington State. Mm -hmm. So we can see, okay, and this is what's really cool, is this is why I wanted to really compare Washington State with Massachusetts. Because I was in Washington State at the time, and in April of 2020, you see this giant spike in retail sales. And just anecdotally at the time, stores were getting rushed. So people were, you know, stockpiling on products. And it got to the point where basically all of the retailers were offering sales. So they were basically, you know, different retailers would say, oh, we'll have a Friday sale or we'll do a Saturday sale. Well, they said, okay, we're just going to do sales all the time. And so effectively, you know, that lowered the price. And so well, that's like going to be a whole nother analysis of its own. We need to get the price data out of these sales items and look at prices over time in Washington state. So that's going to be a whole nother animal to wrangle. But for now, we can at least see that, you know, sales spiked in April of 2020, which is sort of, you know, the exact opposite of what we saw in Massachusetts where, you know, markets were closed for two months. And so I think this offers a great opportunity for, you know, you know, differential analysis where, right, you basically have two different policy decisions and basically what, you know, economics is all about is measuring sort of the impact response of these policy decisions. So basically, the from my just naive observation, it looks like, okay, you know, in Washington state, you know, the policy decision that they were going to, you know, keep stores open on top of sort of the dynamics that led all the retailers to decide that they're going to do their discounts, probably because there's an increase in demand, then, you know, you just see this, just the whole shift in, in supply. So it just supply shifted up and it's, it stayed up. And as we saw in Massachusetts, there was sort of a, sort of a shift down in uh, supply during that time. So, so just naive observations so far, nothing concrete yet. Um, but then we can start looking at retailers over time. I'm a little interested in what's happened in these these latest months. Is this just like a reporting thing? Like maybe these companies just haven't reported their sales yet, and maybe there's measurement error, but it, there could have been a large... Well, and actually we have to look at the scale over here. Right, this is just a dip from 440 to 430. So, you know, having 10 
retailers exit the market is not may not really be that extraordinary but but I don't know. Um, but anywho, this is you know the the count of retailers over time. So now we've got sales over time. We've got retailers over time. We can divide the two and get sales per retailer over time. And so once again, going along, and then you see the sales per retailer spike along with sales. So, you know, all the, each retailer, you know, is seeing this increase in their revenue. So good to be a retailer. If you're one of the, the ones that hasn't exited, that is. Um, and then finally, just looking at the retailers per 100,000 people that tracks along with total retailers pretty closely. The one thing I'm going to point out, though, is our measurements here are quite different than what's measured here in the technical memorandum produced for Nevada. So they're, they're estimating that Washington State has 9.8 dispensaries per 100,000 and around 2.2 in annual revenue. We're seeing, okay, you know, if we calculate those exact same metrics, you know, these should be identical. Um, but we're 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 estimating you know five point eight retailers per one hundred thousand. So it is a different metric. Um, so ours should be a little less, but it should still be comparable. And then also our sales per retailer is a little higher. So I think it depends on perhaps when this technical memorandum was prepared so you know they have, they may have prepared their memorandum you know early on in 2020 you know before before we saw that spike in sales so that's a possibility i just realized anywho now we can do a little live coding here because I'm still working on these metrics, but we're real close. So long story short, we're trying to calculate the HHI in the similar metric, the concentration ratio over time. So just to save us a little bit of time, I've already ran this snippet of code right here. And let's see if um, we can't use this to our advantage. Um, so basically, I've got the market share for all the licenses on all the different days here. 
So let's try to calculate the HHI over time. So, so bear with me while I while I code this, but I think we can do this within five minutes. So basically, you know, if we're just going to iterate over this, so you know, so for date, we're basically going to iterate over the keys. We're going to get the particular market shares for that date. Actually, it's going to make more sense to iterate like this. I wonder, I think we can do it this way. Bear with me. Just make sure this. Okay, cool. So the API. It's going to be the sum of all of these market shares squared. So, um, the share squared, right? That's going to be S squared for S in shares. And the HHI is just going to be the sum of the shares squared. I may not be doing this correctly, but we've got to start somewhere. And we want to just keep track of these over time. So no promises here, but we may may have a non-numerical value here. Okay. Hold on. I did something wrong. This should, this should work. So now we should have, you know, the HHI over time. Oh, but remember, we need this in percentages. Um, so we actually need the share times 100 squared. Uh, and then let's just put this into And pardon my, that I'm coding this up sort of haphazardly, but, but you know, you're seeing, you know, how I'm hacking, hacking this out. 
So if we're lucky, not so lucky. Okay. One second, let me make sure I'm doing this correctly. Um, we could just do a One second here. Adding an index. And seeing if we can't add this data with everything else. Okay, here is a rough attempt at calculating the the HHI over time. And so it looks like it's decreasing and it looks like it's really low at, at 40. And so remember earlier we were we were looking for you know, an HHI of below 2,500. So I want to make 100% sure I calculated this correctly, but it sure looks like there's, you know, quite competitive market in, in Washington state that's becoming more competitive over time. Um, like I said, I am super uncertain about this because I just, uh, you know, calculated this sort of spur on the moment here. Um, but let's just look at the logic real quick. So, you know, so we're getting the, the market shares for each day. And then for each day, we're kept calculating the percentage squared and then we're summing those so i want to say it's just a competitive industry so you know you don't see like a oligopoly yet and, and that makes sense right there's right there's some like 400 some retailers Right. If we were looking at the retailers over time, right, there are some like 400 retailers in Washington state. So, you know, if they were like one or you know, I mean, if there were like five or six retailers, you would expect this HHI to be much higher. So it looks like 
you know, the, at least to me, I, I, like I said, I want to, to reach, recheck this metric, but it looks like the HHI is well into the monopolistic competition level in, in Washington state. Real quick, if you want to bear with us, bear with me, I think we could calculate the CR5 over time. So here, this is just going to be the sum of the top market shares. Um, so I think we can just sort it. Okay, cool. Let me, I should know this off the top of my head, but okay. Yeah, so I think we should just be able to just sort the shares and then just get the top five shares. Top five shares. Include five, yeah. Sorry. And then just do the sum of the top five. That should be our CR5. Uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and multiply this. Um, I will. Well, we don't really have to multiply it by 100, I suppose. Okay, I don't think I did something right. Okay, actually, unless... So this would be... Let's maybe multiply this by 100. Um, it looks like the CR5 may be slightly increasing. So this would be the concentration of the top five largest retailers, but it still looks like an incredibly low number. So it looks like to me, like I said, I'm really skeptical about how I'm calculating these statistics. And so I'm after this meetup, I'm going to, to make sure that I am calculating these correctly. And I'll send you out an email if made any mistakes here. And definitely yeah, mentioning. Yeah. I yes? think you might have I think you might on the last section, you might have picked up all the shares except for the top five. Because I don't know if it's sort of ascending or descending, but that looks like the same plots. Yeah, I think I may have put, picked up the smallest five here. Um, so let's, 
Let's try this other oh, way. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because like it should be uh, for sort. You can do sorted.shares and put reverse equals true because we want the highest shares, right? Exactly. So let's yep. try. Yeah. So let's try one more time here. Um, PR Try this one more time. Okay, so so this looks this looks a bit more plausible, and it it matches the movement of the HHI, and so so this the, the, these numbers look about right. Well, actually, I don't know. It, I've actually never calculated this metric before, so I don't know if they look about right or not. But, but if we calculated this correctly, then this would say that the top five retailers had around 6.6% of sales, and now they're down around 5.6% of all sales. Keegan, I think you actually did that right because mathematically it makes sense like this this makes perfect sense and it's analogued in the maryland system at least like maryland uses a sales system now because it was the only way the smaller retailers could get customers this so i think you actually did the math right be a little more confident. Well, I always got to double check. And that's the whole point of the scientific process too, is, is reproducibility, right? So not only should I calculate these statistics, but there really should be, you know, dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of other people, such as yourselves, you're brilliant data scientists calculating these too. That way, you know, we're all sort of double checking the, each other so that way you know if i made um, a mistake in my logic then someone else can point that out so so I'll, i'm going to be studying this script today and refining it and i would encourage you all to as well so that way you know the more eyes on the data and the mechanism that generates the statistics the better so so there you have it. That was my, you know, rough attempt to calculate the the CR5, the concentration ratio, and the herfindale hirschman index, the HHI, in Washington State. And I definitely want to double check everything, but on first glance it looks like things are quite competitive in washington state so that would have been my guess but i would have i didn't think things were going to that the hhi would be as low as it is and so now it, uh, it's piqued my curiosity to see what it may be in other states such as you know illinois or maryland where you have quite a quite a fewer number of retailers per capita.
good luck getting that data out. <laughs> it, well, and so that's why, you know, we've got to, you know, work with the, the data that we're given. And, you know, we're, here, I'm going to stop presenting for now. And that's one of the reasons why we do this analysis is, so I was thinking about this this morning. So, you know, if any of you smart entrepreneurial people one day end up as a statistician at one of these regulatory agencies, or maybe one of these regulatory agencies, one of their data scientists is listening in. Well, you know, these are techniques that you can use in your markets and in your analysis. So this is how it was done in Washington state. So we were fortunate enough to have access to this data. Well, I'm sure the regulators have access to this data in Massachusetts and Illinois and California or all these other states. So, so people at those agencies can calculate these statistics. Like I said, it'd be awesome, I think, to have many people be able to calculate them because as I pointed out, the more eyes on them, the better. It's always awesome to have people double checking each other. So I'm a big fan of sort of democratizing data. And I heard somewhere that, you know, having your data be being reproducible. So in our case, having our statistics be reproducible is critical. And no, absolutely. Even in science, even in biomedical sciences, right? But the problem with cancer studies is more 80% of them are not reproducible. It, it's a problem in every science. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to be the day, the lesson of the day is do what you can to make your data reproducible. That's sort of what we strive for here in the Kim's data science group. So that's why I put our methods out there. Ideally, you know, you can run them yourselves, double check all the statistics. And that's what we're all about. So thank you all for coming. And if you want to contribute, there's many different avenues. So feel free to reach out and we can all start collaborating. And as I said at the beginning, we'll start looking at our forecasts of 2021 just to see how we did. And then we can learn and improve and try to make even better forecasts for 2022. So stay tuned. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Keegan. This is great. Awesome. Marjana, Graham, Sham, thank you for coming today. I hope you have a productive week and I'll speak with you all soon. See ya. Bye, everyone. Bye now.